0: This is Tony Lloyd. Being a broadcaster for many years, I've witnessed some great stories in the music industry. And now I want to bring as many music stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. My goal is that they will inspire others making their way in the music world.
1: Music Stories with Tony Lloyd.
0: Lonnie Gordon, welcome to Music Stories. How nice to see you.
1: Oh, Tony, thanks for inviting me. It's my pleasure.
0: No problem. Now, um, I've been a, a, a DJ, a radio presenter for a very, very long time. And the 90s, were one. Of, it was one of my favourite eras uh, to play music and to uh, go into clubs and stuff like that. So that's how I know about you. And I guess that was probably... Uh, the height of your career. You'll have to tell me about that in a a bit. But I want to find out more about Lonnie and how it all started for you. Yeah, I want to find out. I want all the gruesome details.
1: (laughs) Oh, you want to dig deep,
0: Oh yeah, deep, 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 deep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know you were born in Philadelphia and you were raised in the Bronx. Is that right? Yes. What's that like? Because it's I've never been, and you know, you hear lots of negative things about that part of uh, America.
1: You know, I think in the world there's places that are taboo and you're not supposed to go into. I grew up in the Bronx, so um, I, I don't know anything else. As a child, I, I, you know, there was I didn't go on vacations. You know, I, you know, my mom and dad were separated. My mom raised the house. Uh, we didn't have lots of money, you know, but we were happy. And, you know, the, the funny thing is when I was a kid, we uh, used to go on the fire escape. You know what a fire escape is?
0: Yep. Yep. Sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. We used to go on the fire escape and sing old Motown songs. Wow. And in the summer when it was hot, the fire hydrant used to be open. <laughs> you know, we used to open up the fire hydrant. All the water was, would come out and all the kids in the neighborhood, that was our summer, would run in the fire hydrant and play like old classic songs, um, Al Green, Al Green. Billie Holiday, I mean, like, all, all the soul stuff, Supremes, you know, I mean, moving from, I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you when I was born, because that might ruin stuff, so I won't tell you when I was born. <laughs> no, I don't. I won't do that, I won't do that. Okay. So, uh, growing up was, uh, the music was um heartfelt there was a lot of things happening when i grew up and it's mm. leaving the 60s mm. well i was in the 60s <laughs> right okay well
0: <laughs> i don't believe it but there you go <laughs> looking at you you look um, about 30 something so uh so there we go did
1: you say 20 something
0: <laughs> yes of course yeah <laughs> <laughs> fantastic so uh, you're listening to um all, all these classics which they are now um was that on vinyl records or on the radio or how did you listen on your fire escape
1: um other neighbors in the the neighborhood would blare the music out right you know you would have somebody in the neighborhood you play it for the street like really loud mm. you know when we sat on our fire escape in the summer, all the, the people were playing uh, music, you know, it's just like some of these movies that you see. Yeah. Um, Spike Lee did a movie. Uh, I can't remember the movie. Um, but it had all these black kids uh, jumping rope and listening to music, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um,
0: was it da- um, was it dangerous and and tough living living like that
1: like I said I knew nothing of but living like that That's I, this one. I, I, I didn't know but when as I got older and um started uh, performing in clubs there's this one club I, I I remember the rest of my life I was in Harlem and I was on stage performing um proud Mary and uh, there was a fight that broke out and uh, the owner of the club said to bring up the music. So we, we turned up the music, the fight was happening outside and I told uh, the owner afterwards, I'm never going to come back here again. So after I left there, I ended up in Bermuda
0: in Bermuda. Wow.
1: I end up in Bermuda working with the band, and i only had to come on stage uh and do two songs a night and the rest of it it was all mine so how did so you, that was
0: okay how did you start singing though i mean you say you, you know you sort of uh went into these these clubs and stuff and started singing how did you get those gigs how did you start singing to have lessons or was it just came naturally to you or what happened
1: no um when I was a kid, I listened to like Michael Jackson and, you know, Diana Ross and all those. And I, I would, for comfort, I would sing, you know, I would rock and sing the songs. And so my mom says that I was three years old, we were leaving Philadelphia to New York and I sang the whole way. So that's when I was three. When I turned 17, I got involved with my first band. Right. And they were called Nightjar when I was 17. So when I was a kid, I always um, listened to music, never was taught, never, didn't take lessons um, until I took one lesson in London after Happening All Over Again came out. Mm. And I I could afford to take a lesson.
0: Yeah. Now, that, that's yeah. probably the track that's uh, most famous, certainly the one I recognise uh, you as well. It's pr- probably, I would say, one of the best dance tracks that I know uh, happening all over again. It's just brilliant.
1: Yes, and it hasn't gotten old. It still sounds good.
0: Yeah, it does. And that was um, with Stott Aitken and Waterman, wasn't it? Yes. How, what's it like working with them?
1: um let's see in that era they was at the height you know they Mm -hmm. were they were gods in england Mm -hmm. um and when i came to england lived in england i used to look at top of the pops and uh they were always in the charts they were always in the charts and i was married at the time and my husband said that i was allowed to dream he said you can dream anything you want to have just You know, and I said, well, I want to work with those producers. And um, I ended up working with them. I did a song, song called I Got Your Pleasure Control and was on one of Pete Waterman's shows. And that's how I met Pete Waterman. And it happened really quickly. I think that when I met him two weeks later, I was in the studio Recording Happening All Over Again. The recording of Happening All Over Again was really quick. I mean, these guys really knew what they were doing because it didn't take me that long to record Happening All Over Again.
0: It also helps and that I, you know what you're doing as well. Because,
1: <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, I think it took, if I have to stand alone, I think we took maybe there's no time recording that album. That album was put together really quick. And um, I remember when uh, happening all over again was going up into the charts and I was sitting in uh, the president of the record company's living room, me, my husband, the president and a woman named Kate Farmer. We were all sitting there and the record company knew where my song was going, but I didn't know. Right. And a- as the song creeped up in the charts, I kept jumping. It wasn't me. I kept jumping. It wasn't me. Well, it ended up reaching four in the charts. And I remember jumping up and there was a lamp in the room. I knocked the lamp over. I was screaming. (laughs) I'll never forget. I mean, like that was like, it it feels like it happened yesterday.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe one day it'll be happening all over again, if you'll excuse.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: Excellent. I hope so. Happy days. So and then, um, so how long did you stay in London for roughly? And then and then you went back to America?
1: Uh, let's see. I think I stayed in England for like ten years. I was married to an Englishman. I met him in Bermuda. He was covering the Olympics. I got pregnant. I, I came to England and gave birth to my daughter, Ricky Perry, who you spoke to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you spoke to that. I That's did. my daughter. Right, yeah. I did indeed to, to arrange this interview, yeah. Brilliant.
1: Yeah, yeah, you you spoke to her. So I ended up having her and then uh, did music. I did a song called No Regrets, Love Eviction, Beat the Street. And then when I got closer to a record company, a record deal, because the first song that uh, Supreme Records put out was happening all over again, it just went, mm. you know, it but the thing is, with the album, the album wasn't put out until 2009 because there were problems going on out of my control. Yeah. Nothing to do with me. I used to think it had something to do with me, but it had nothing to do with me at all. It had the politics of music.
0: Oh, there's a lot of stuff like that, isn't there? A lot of difficulties involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, then, it was the
1: politics.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I understand you worked in Las Vegas for a while as well
1: yeah I worked with a company called Cirque du Soleil yeah and uh that was a fascinating time to me uh because it was like theater and uh they wanted a character but they wanted me as Lonnie Gordon to play a role uh I guess because when they saw me in videos I seemed quite aggressive and take charge, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I take charge. You know? <laughs> so they wanted me to uh, play a character and I did, and I stayed with them for about five and a half years. Um, it was probably one of the, you know, you got paid consistently. So that was pretty mm, good. Mm, you didn't have to, money. <laughs> and it wasn't like records. And after I left Cirque du Soleil, I, I the world, the music world had changed. You know, it was a completely different world for me, hmm. and I would I didn't know where I was supposed to fit. I, I didn't know. Um, I had these new chops on me vocally. Because I was performing every day, so I had this voice that had cultivated itself. Oh. And then when I came back, I was used to a big stage and theater and costumes. So when I when I was no longer with them, living in Vegas, and I came back to London, I shrunk. you know, it was like I had to do small clubs again and you know, and that was probably a turning point to me of complete confusion of who I was, what was I supposed to do? And how do you carry on in your artistry? You know, Mm. you know, there was no direction anymore. You know, it, it, it left me in limbo.
0: Yeah. So how did he cope with that?
1: Um, not too good. Uh, (laughs) Um, I, th- I really think at that time I uh, started scratching coming to England you know uh, searching for my roots and um the horrible thing was there was nothing to grab onto you know you know there was there was nothing and then I thought well maybe I'm not supposed to be a singer anymore which would crush me oh. but I thought well maybe God has something else to me. You know, maybe the universe is calling me to do something else. And um, so I got off the scene for a while. I got off the scene for a while. I lived a very plain life, you know, very um, non-materialistic at all. Uh, Moved to, I did, before this stopped, I did an audition for um, X Factor. Before oh. everything stopped. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I, get this phone, I get this text from this guy named Barney. And he says to me that he wanted to meet me. Now, I was in London uh, and he said he wanted to meet me because I had come back and forth to England not knowing what's going on with me in my life. So I, I get this message from Barney and he wants to have a meeting with me. So I go down to his office and um, (laughs) this is really funny, Tony. This is funny. (laughs) So so I'm sitting at the table and he says to me, I know I'm sitting there for X Factor, but he says to me, he says, what about, you know, if I uh, asked you, could you judge talent? And uh, would you know how to do that? Uh, I know you've been in the business for a long time, but would you know how to judge? And I thought that he was asking for me to be one of the judges. Yes. No, he was. He was asking me to be in the show. (laughs) (laughs) He was asking me to be in the show. (laughs) And uh, he said, you know, 20 million people look at this. It would be Mm. great for your career, you know, to start. And I was looking for a way to get back in the doors. Yeah. So he said, this would be a great way for you to start your career again. Yeah. Well, uh, I went through all, I was excited. I went through all the studying songs. I was in England studying the songs. They were excited because I had a history of being in Britain. I had met Simon Cowell years ago, you know, passing. And um, well, it came down to the audition. I passed all the auditions. And the thing was, home office, I, they were trying to kick me out the country. And I gave them my passport so I can stay longer. But they didn't. They wouldn't give back the passport. <laughs> and I needed to take the passport to give it to X Factor Q, Q, because I passed everything, their crew. <laughs> I passed everything. Well, the day that I was leaving to go do the filming for X Factor, uh, they said we were going to meet Scotland. So I'm leaving to go to Scotland. And I get this phone call and it says, if you don't have your passport, there's no need for you to come down. <sighs> I was, But it gets better. OK, so I don't do X Factor. I don't do X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to leave the country. I had to leave because I had to leave. So I go to leave the country. They throw me in jail. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> oh, Lonnie, for heaven's sake, woman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they throw me in jail for a night, kick me out of the country. <laughs> uh, and it was started in the jail. People knew who I was. <laughs> they said, didn't you sing that song happening all over again? Did
0: he, did he sing to them in the jail?
1: No, no, but I was laughing. It was a good night. I met a lot of people and stayed up all night. And then the next day they they, they put me back on the plane and I ended up coming to Florida. <laughs> that's awesome. I ended up coming to Florida. Well, the story. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and then, what?
0: That's incredible, that story. That's just hilarious. I mean, you know, how to make your life more complicated.
1: <laughs> oh, my life got even more complicated. I won't tell you that, those stories.
0: Okay, maybe not Not with all the tapes rolling.
1: <laughs> no, those stories are like, well, you know, people do not know artists live lives like everyone else. Hmm. Some of us get fortunate, and even if you became really successful and made a lot of money, you still got problems. Yeah. It, 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 problems don't go away because you have more money, right. problems don't go away because you're an artist. It's, you know, it's called life and life's journey and you have to deal with them. Everyone has to deal with it. Yep. It's not a special person that deals with it. Everybody does.
0: Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, what sort of advice would you give to to um, a singer who's struggling to get on in the music industry? And there's, there's You know, most people are struggling in the music industry, aren't they? Uh, at whatever level they uh, reach, and what advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out?
1: Well, I I would say even though I've been in the business this long, it's still a struggle. You know, you what you need. It's not about the struggle in the music business. It's about your love in the music business. You know that you your artistry is a party. You know, it's like being a painter, finding different colors. You know, a lot of painters don't get paid, you know, and sometimes, you know, money is a part of it because you got to live, you got to pay your bills, and you got to do normal things that normal people do. But what's carried me through the years is my insatiable love for music and how it makes me feel. It makes me feel really part of life. The thing is, I tell a singer, an artist, Just keep doing it and believe in it. There's a lot, a lot of singers. There's a lot, a lot of artists. It's a world full of us. You know, one day you might pierce through. You might be the light that shines through. And then you can do your testimony and tell people and make people happy because being an artist, it's all about making someone else feel good and making someone else happy and sharing your love. That's what it's really all about.
0: That's really good advice. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, t- something totally different. I just uh, I was doing a little bit of research on you before this uh, this talk, and um, I I came across uh, uh, a video. Up um, for it with a song, <laughs> you, you know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to say.
1: <laughs> what is it? Hone. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Okay, all right. Now, this is a good story for Horny. You're going to love, love, love this story. (laughs) This is a good story. Okay, I don't know what I'm doing in England. I'm trying to find my feet, my foot for where do I belong? Singing, you know, after Cirque du Soleil, what am I supposed to be doing anyway? (laughs) I'm bored. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's happening. People are not calling me anymore. So I get this email from this guy named Charlie in uh, the States. I'm in England. He's in the States. And he said he'd like for me to hear this song called Horny. And I'm like, Horny? So he sends me this song. And I'm like, I took it for a joke. I'm like, this is kind of cool. I'll do it. So he said he didn't have very much money. And I said, I said, well, he says, well, we can get the studio in Dorchester, I think he said. Yep. And um, uh, I said, well, you know, I have to be one of the writers. If that's the way it goes down, I, I will arrange everything. I'll arrange your song. I'll go sing it. And he was really happy, like really happy. So I go in the studio, I drop Horny, I drop the song one session. I'm in there for a day. I just drop it to all the background vocals. And um, now I got the song Horny. And then I was all into Horny and I wanted things to happen. I wanted to make things happen. So I went to a party. And at the party, I can't remember the guy's name. He's really important. He directed the video. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he had a party at his house. And it was all these like crazy people, you know, fun art people. So I go around and say, I'm doing a video. Come home. You want to be in my video? And people was like, yeah, yeah. I want to be... So I got all these people to be in the video. We got a car. Nobody got paid. And nobody got paid. We all did this for the love of the art. Pulled it together, and one day we recorded that video. And there's a, uh, um, a bathtub in the video. I know. It was I, was you, I was going to ask you,
0: I was going to just ask you about the jacuzzi. You're in the jacuzzi with a load of hunky men.
1: <laughs> hey, Tony, the jacuzzi. <laughs> the jacuzzi was outside, right? It was outside. It was freezing. So that week after the video, I caught pneumonia. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I caught pneumonia. I was at Ricky's house and I got sick, and the ambulance came and oh, got me. no! Oh, <laughs> Told me I had pneumonia. <laughs> For
0: heaven's sake.
1: Well, it's oh. an exciting life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's one word for it. <laughs> <laughs> what What are you up to now and in the future? Are you still doing uh, gigs and touring a little bit, or are you going to do some more recording? What's What's happening? Have you got anything planned? Um,
1: well, what's happening now is you know uh, I won't gig, do any gigs until next year, uh-huh. um, and we're. This is a long term goal. That I'm about to say, it's a long term go. Um, we're going to write my autobiography, ah, and um, of course it's going to be called "Happening All Over Again." Yeah, what other title can I use?
0: I, I can. <laughs> I want a copy already. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god, I have I have so many. It's, it's, you know what, Tony. It's been a hard life. It's mm. been a fun life. Hmm. It's been an alive life. There, there hasn't. I, I feel so blessed that I've had a life the way my life has been. Hmm. The ups and the downs—they all have been good. Hmm. And guess what, man? I'm getting older here. I'm not going to be here forever, and hey, you are too, Tony. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to be here forever. <laughs> hey,
0: I'm I'm older than you, Lonnie. I'm older than you.
1: <laughs> well thank you I
0: like that <laughs> okay well that's that's really good so we must talk again then when the book comes out
1: that sounds good or when yeah. I when it's in the making
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah anytime that'd be, that'd yeah, be- be-
1: hey Tony thank you for inviting me on your show I feel quite honored and special
0: oh that's really nice of you to say so um I'm a big fan of yours your voice is incredible your music is amazing And I wish you well for the future as well and uh, keep in touch about the book and anything else that's happening in your life because you've made me laugh like nobody else for a long time. (laughs) It's been a real pleasure talking to you and great fun. Thank you so much for talking to me.
1: All mine and have an amazing day. (laughs)
0: Music Stories is a free podcast with no fees paid to contributors in the hope that it'll help and inspire others in the music industry. Get in touch if you've got a story to tell. If you would like a professional podcast made or would like training so you can do it yourself, I can help. Go to TonyLloydRadio.com
1: Music Stories with Tony Lloyd